You're listening to episode 32 of the This Girl Loves Sleep podcast. Hello, and welcome to the This Girl Loves Sleep podcast, the show that will help your entire family bring back bedtime. Each episode, sleep expert Alana McGinn discusses your burning sleep questions and provides you with tangible sleep tips and tricks to help you create your own sleep plan for your family. Whether it's how to extend your baby's naps, end bedtime battles with your toddler, or help you sleep better at night, this podcast talks all things sleep to help you and your family get the sleep you deserve. With colleagues, friends, and other wellness experts, Alana discusses all lifestyle topics that you want more information on. Are you ready to bring back bedtime? Here's your host, sleep educator, mom of three, and pop culture fanatic, Alana McGinn. Hi, I'm Alana McGinn, founder of GoodnightSleepSite.com, a website offering sleep support and resources for you and your family. You can head over to GoodnightSleepSite to find out how you can work with a goodnight consultant who can help you with each step along the way to creating your family sleep plan. Today's special guest is a friend of mine and a pediatric dietitian and nutritionist, Sarah Remmer. Sarah and I met when she and I were first starting out and we wrote for the same publication and it's been amazing watching her journey and business grow to where she is today. Sarah is the founder and owner of the Center for Family Nutrition, a Calgary-based nutrition counseling practice that specializes in prenatal infant and child nutrition. She has a powerful passion for good food and for teaching parents how to healthfully and realistically feed their families. In addition to family nutrition, she and her team also use nutrition to support clients with fertility, healthy pregnancy, introducing solids, teen nutrition, and healthy weight loss. Sarah's been featured in national media across Canada and even has, this is very exciting, her first book coming out February 2020. We are thrilled to have her on the podcast today talking about baby-led weaning, a very popular topic when it comes to introducing solids and feeding babies. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. It's been so long since we've chatted. I know, it has been. It's really nice to connect. Yes, it is. Thanks so much for joining us today. Of course. All right. So tell us what exactly is, for those listening that don't know, what exactly is baby-led weaning? So baby-led weaning is a method of introducing solids to baby that basically skips purees. So traditionally, when we introduce solids around the age of four to six months, we recommend six months here in Canada, um, we would feed our babies purees. So, you know, often it would be um, iron fortified infant cereal or, you know, single food purees, thin purees, um, just because that's what we kind of have always done traditionally. But more recently, so in, within the past, I'd say five or six years, um, there's been a trend in a method of introducing solids called baby led weaning. And basically, essentially, it's skipping purees and it's going right to soft and safe finger foods so that baby can self-feed and eat what the rest of the family is eating. And there's lots and lots of benefits to baby led weaning. There's lots of new research out to kind of show the benefits of baby led weaning and even, you know, Canadian feeding guidelines have jumped on board and it's 
they're actually recommending that babies self-feed and, and that you introduce those kind of soft, safe finger foods right at the beginning. So it's exciting. Okay. So now I think there's a bit of a mis like you don't just kind of, do you just hand over, you know, full pieces of food to your baby and let them figure it out? Like, are there guidelines that parents should follow and be aware of? Does the baby really just kind of eat what the rest of the family's eating right away? That's a really good question. So it's not quite as simple as sort of handing your baby a steak and letting them eat it. Like it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite like that, but essentially it's kind of like a way of simplifying feeding and family meals for parents so that they're not making a whole separate meal for their baby. And it's also a way for baby to be integrated into family meals right from the beginning. So you obviously want to be careful with things like added salt and added sugar and, you know, strong spices and things like that, because there's certain things that baby shouldn't have. But there's really easy ways to modify your family foods to suit your baby. Also, texture does matter. Of course, you know, right at six months, you don't want to be giving your baby, you know, hard round foods that that would be a choking hazard. So we can kind of talk about that. But you want to, you know, the foods that you you feed your baby, you want them to be soft enough that they can kind of gum them. So the way that I always tell parents to make sure that a food is safe for their baby is if they can squish it between their tongue and their hard palate, like their upper hard palate fairly easily, then it should be safe for their baby. But of course you want like part of the benefit of baby led weaning is that baby can self feed. And so you want them to be able to pick it up and babies don't have that little pincer grip right at six months. That doesn't come until about 10 months. And so you want them to be able to grab it with like the palm of their hand. So it has to be big enough and it has to have grip so that they can grab onto it. So there's a few things that you want to kind of keep in mind. You don't want to be giving baby like little tiny pieces of food because they won't be able to grab onto them and they won't be able to eat them. I mean, the purpose is to let baby grab the food and feed themselves so that you're not having to feed your baby. Right. So, you know, you talked about choking hazards and obviously, like you said, making sure that the food is soft enough, you know, not huge pieces. What else can parents do? Obviously I would, I would imagine, I mean, again, this, you know, my kids are so far removed from this stage. I would imagine that that would be maybe something that might be holding a parent back on doing baby led weaning is the choking hazard. So is there anything else that parents should be kind of doing to prevent that? Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, it can be nerve wracking for sure. Even me, like I have three kids and my second and third, I did baby led weaning because of course I kind of knew more about it and I felt more comfortable, but it was nerve wracking even for me because babies will gag and that is very, very normal and, and actually like a really good safety mechanism for them. Babies have very strong gag reflexes. So it's important to know the difference between gagging and choking. And I can go over that if you want, but I would say that, yeah, I mean, having them be soft enough. So things like avocado and, um, you know, pieces of avocado, like a quarter of an avocado that's coated in infant cereal is really great because they're able to grab onto it, but it's soft enough that they can kind of gum away at it and it's not going to get caught in their airway. So if you mm -hmm. kind of think about anything that's hard and round and can get caught in baby's airway, you obviously want to stay away from any hard vegetables or fruit, you want to steam them so that they're, you know, soft enough that they'll kind of break apart in, in your baby's mouth. When they get a little bit older, so about nine months, you can grate hard vegetables and those pieces like they're at that point, they're able to grab them. I always say as a rule of thumb, if anything is hard, like if it's 
a fruit or vegetable or any other hard food, you want to make sure that you are slicing it as thin as a as a nail, like as a fingernail. Okay. Um, otherwise, it could potentially be a choking hazard. So, you know, the number one food that babies choke on is actually apples. So some parents will give their child even peeled apple or like a whole apple, their baby to sort of gum away at it. And that's actually the number one choking hazard. So with apples- I didn't know that. Interesting. And I've done that before to my kids when they were little. Yeah, I know. I think a lot of parents do. So you just want to make sure that you're either grating it or you're steaming the apple so that it's soft enough that it will break, break apart in baby's mouth. So it's kind of you know, you're using your common sense, but a really good way is to do that sort of tongue hard palate uh, test before you serve it to baby. And then you had mentioned the differences between um, choking and gagging. So what should parents be looking at for that? So gagging would be basically what happens when babies gag is they will, they will kind of turn red and they'll be, it'll seem like they're choking. So they'll kind of make like a coughing, gagging noise. And the worst thing that you could do as a parent is panic, because as soon as your baby sees you panic, that could actually panic them and could produce an actual choke. So you want to stay calm and you want to just kind of coach baby, say, it's okay. And, you know, have a smile on your face and just stay to the food and kind of just be positive. Um, gagging will happen a lot, especially right at six months of age. Certain babies gag more than others, but a choke is actually when there's no sound coming out of baby's mouth. They start to turn blue. Air is not able to get out of their airway. That's when baby is choking and that's when you do want to worry. And that's why I always say any parent, regardless if they're doing baby led weaning or not, should be taking an infant CPR Agreed. and first aid course. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree on that. And I mean, Yes. You know, it's, I think it's also important for parents to hear that because I just know as a parent to, to remain calm while your child, even if it's a gag, it's that initial, like, oh my God, what do I do? (laughs) What's happening? So, um, yeah, we do have to be reminded because you're right. It can lead once they're startled and they're start panicking. That's when it can lead to something dangerous. So, um, sometimes easier said than done though, right? It's true. Yeah. I mean, your first instinct is, is, oh my God, like my baby's choking. But nine times out of 10, I'd say even 99% of the time your baby's gagging, they're not choking. But really, really important also to always be right there when you're feeding baby. So not kind of putting a whole bunch of stuff on their tray and then going and doing the laundry. Like you you need to right. be there yes. all the time, especially if you're doing baby led weaning. Yeah, absolutely. And we as parents, we are We have so much, you know, whether you be, you know, mom or dad that's kind of in it and doing it, we tend to have so much on our to-do list that throwing in a quick load of laundry while we put a couple of scraps of food on the might just be tempting to do. Um, But you're right. You have to be around and aware and um, absolutely a good takeaway is every parent should be signing up for an infant CPR course. And there's a lot of great services that offer it and resources out there that, that offer that for new parents and it's important information to know. Grandparents mm-hmm. too, any kind of team, any kind of village that is around the child mm-hmm. um, should be signing up for that for sure. So yes. talking about feeding babies and kids, I mean, I didn't really realize it until I was in it that it can get parents like really riled up. I mean, sleep, mm-hmm. the topic of sleep can get parents really riled up, but I mm-hmm. didn't realize that the topic of feeding 
Mm -hmm. um, can also really cause a lot of controversy in the parenting world. So why do you think kids and nutrition is such a trigger for parents? Like what, what is your Mm -hmm. top strategies for taking the stress out of how to feed and just feeding little ones? Yeah, it's a really, really good point. I think that um, anything to do with sleep, eating, and toileting <laughs> yeah. is kind of, they're all sort of areas of contention for parents because in some ways those things are out of their control. Baby and toddler will do what they want to do, especially when, you know, toddlers reach that age where they're a little bit more independent and wanting to control things. I think it, it can be really hard. So I think that my biggest tip when it comes to feeding is to make it a positive experience for your baby because, you know, it's not going to be perfect. Every baby's going to be different. Do not compare your baby to other babies because mm-hmm. it just, and don't even compare your baby to themselves. <laughs> like Or to a sibling, right? Or to, to, exactly. Yeah. Like one day from the next will be completely different. And often there's no rhyme or reason for it. It could be as easy as, you know, your baby is teething or they're distracted or they're tired or whatever. So I actually have a blog post on my site about, you know, 10, 10 reasons why your baby isn't, is, is struggling with solids. And so that's a good resource for parents, but We'll link that. We'll link that article, guys, in our show's notes, um, in the show's notes over at goodnightsleepsite.com slash podcast. That's great. Yeah. Um, I would say number one is keep things positive. So you want to think long-term with your baby. You want to nurture a healthy relationship with food for life. So instead of thinking short-term, like I need to get my baby to eat right now, um, think long-term in that, like, I want my baby to love food and I want them to be really comfortable at the table and I want them to grow to, you know, learn to love a whole bunch of different foods. And you know, I, I love that because it's something so similar to sleep. It's and something that I always, obviously not with our little ones, with our babies, but I always, also always, always talk about opening up the communication between, you know, your child and, and sleep because you do, you want them also to grow up to love to sleep and to understand mm-hmm. the importance of sleep and why not just that we have to sleep. So not just, you know, you, not just, you have to eat your, your food, but why you need to eat your food and why you need to eat these foods and why you need to sleep and how, what it does to your body. So they definitely go hand in hand for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, I think it's really important too that you realize that as the parent, it's not your job to get your baby to eat. That's right. actually not not your job at all. So your job as the parent, this is called the division of responsibility. So as the parent, your job is serving a variety of foods to your baby in a safe environment when it's the time that you choose. So basically the what, when, and where of feeding is up to the parent. And then what's up to the baby is if they eat it and how much they eat. So it sort of divides the responsibility when it comes to feeding so that it takes the pressure off of everyone. The parent no longer feels this pressure of getting their baby to eat a certain amount or a certain type of food. It's that they just provide a variety of foods at a time that they see fit, at a place that they see fit, and then it's up to baby to do the rest. And that's like from six months, well, really from breastfeeding or formula feeding onwards. Like you can't force your baby to eat. That's probably the worst thing you you could do because then it just creates this sort of negative association with food and mealtime and will create lots of picky eating issues down the road. So, I mean, very, very rarely will, will your baby not eat enough. Like babies are very intuitive when it comes to their appetite and what they need nutritionally. 
So they will eat what they need and they will stop when they are full. And we really, as parents, we need to honor that and we need to listen to their cues. I always say, you know, like, regardless if it's baby led weaning or if it, if you're spoon feeding, both are fine, but you really have to follow your baby's cues no matter what. So I call that responsive feeding. Yeah. It's very, very important because baby knows best and you want to nurture that sort of intuitive eating or mindful eating so that they continue to listen to their body when it comes to their appetite. I love that. That's so, that's so great. Um, and you mentioned obviously offering, you know, different foods. There is an increase we're seeing obviously in plant-based foods as there should be. Uh, and it's a big focus when it comes to nutrition, uh, for all members of the family, what's the easiest way for families to work on incorporating more plant-based proteins for our kids? I'm a huge fan of plant-based eating. There's so many benefits. I mean, not only protein, but fiber, vitamins and minerals, antioxidants. They're also, you know, safer for the environment. And um, we have a lot of local plant-based proteins in Canada here, like lentils and chickpeas and peas. And those are so easy to feed baby and the whole family. So I would say the easiest, my favorite, favorite way to introduce plant-based protein is lentils just because they're really safe for baby. They're small enough and soft enough that you can feed them right from six months. They offer lots of protein, um, lots of fiber and vitamins and minerals, and they're so easy to incorporate into meals. So you can, like I've made lentil patties. I make little lentil meatballs. I add lentils into things like taco meat and spaghetti sauce and and um, any sort of meat-based dish. Mm-hmm. Even if you're still using meat, you could add half lentils and take out half of the meat. Not only are you saving money, but it's also adding nutrition and it just kind of bulks up and you know adds texture to your meal. So those are some ways. I make some lentil muffins that are baby-friendly. There's um, a recipe on my website that I can give I can give you the link for. That'd be great. Yeah. And, and so that's my favorite way. I use tofu a lot. Tofu is a great um, baby food as well because you can sort of grill it up or you can um, pan fry it with a little bit of olive oil and, uh, you know, cut it into little cubes that your baby can grab and eat. And it's soft enough. And it's tofu is a very healthy food for babe and great for the whole family. I mean, there's so many different ways. I add a lot of chickpeas to things as well. I They're love chickpeas. So I'm actually making burritos tonight. That's that oh. have my I have some chickpeas in it. Yeah, I love chickpeas and so do my kids. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is, you know, what a lot of parents don't know is introducing nuts and seeds um, mm-hmm. from an early age now. So what we recommend is from six months, like right at six months, you introduce nuts and seeds, which are a great plant-based protein So I recommend using like a natural nut or seed butter and just spreading it thinly on a slice of toast and cutting it into strips. So you do like right at six months, you want to introduce it. And then often after that, so you don't want to stop introducing it. You want to keep introducing it. Uh, Yes, we actually had um, a family doctor, uh, Dr. Stephanie Liu, uh, a couple episodes ago, and she said the same thing that, you know, obviously when our kids were little, it was, you know, don't introduce nuts and peanuts and things like that for at least a year. But now it's changed to that six month mark where you can start introducing more nuts and things earlier on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to get into some some rapid fire questions, but let's just recap real quick. So for those that are listening that are thinking about, you know, starting a baby led weaning routine, list maybe like what what would you say would be your top three benefits to doing this? 
So top three benefits of baby led weaning would be that baby is included in family meals, which is there's so many benefits to that, that baby learns how to self-feed, which kind of nurtures that intuitive eating and they're able to learn how to self-regulate right from six months, which is when it comes to, you know, solid food right from six months, which is fantastic. And also it's just easier for parents. Like it's, they don't have to be making a separate meal. They don't have to be steaming and pureeing foods for hours on end. So it just, you know, it's just easier. And, um, and there's lots of benefits in terms of oral motor development as well. Great. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay. So rapid fire questions. What is the one food you never say no to? I want to know what's the one food that you cheat on? There has to be something. What's your weakness? Well, I don't consider it cheating, but I never say no to chocolate ever, ever. Like love it. good chocolate though, or like healthy chocolate? Like any chocolate, except for white chocolate. <laughs> I don't think girl. white chocolate is actually chocolate, but I love chocolate. So I will never say no. <laughs> All right. Good to know. I'm, I'm the same. Chocolate is my, you know what? I never used to be a big chocolate person when I was little. It wasn't until I became an adult. I don't know why that was, but I don't remember. I was more of a candy girl when I was little and then mm-hmm. I grew up and then chocolate. Yeah. That, that'll always so get good. me too. What food should parents try with young kids that they'd be surprised uh, that most kids like? I would say fish. Like okay. babies love fish. And and I'm talking like right at six months, like my youngest, his first food was grilled salmon and he devoured it. So I think a lot of parents, because well, a lot of people prefer not to eat fish. Right. And I think that they assume that babies won't like it. And so, yeah, I would say fish is, and I would introduce it really early so that they get to, they get used to the flavor of it. There's so many benefits to fish, like so, so healthy and it's soft enough. Um, you know, of course you want it to be deep boned, but it's soft enough that it's um, usually safe right from six months. So that's, that's what I would say. And no, I, think- I love that. Cause you're right. I, I'm not a big fish person. I'm slowly trying to introduce it more and more into my husband and, and my own diet. But you know what I do, which is terrible. And I don't do this cause I'm not that house that makes multiple meals to suit everybody. I'm like a mm-hmm. one meal person. Except for the nights, no, but except for the (laughs) nights that I make fish because I assume, because I never liked it as a child, that my kids won't like it. So I always make them something and then I make it my husband and I and fish and I shouldn't do this. And I know I shouldn't do this because maybe they'll like it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that that sends the message that to your kids that, oh good, I don't need to eat it. Right. Right. They're never, you know, that's, there's always an alternative for them. So yes. yeah, I, I know I that's so parent fail right there. Okay. <laughs> so which meal do you find the easiest to feed your kids? What's your like busy, got to get dinner on the table. What is your go-to meal for your kids? Um, I have a couple, but I would say one of my favorites is my Mexican quinoa one pan bake. So it's, it's, I think it's called Southwestern, one pan Southwestern quinoa skillet. It's on my website. I can give you the, um, yeah, the well guys, we'll link that recipe in the show's notes too. Cause that sounds delish. It is. It's so easy. It's like a 20 minute meal and it's got everything in it that you need and it's baby friendly, which is great. Okay. One more question and then we'll wrap up. I mean, I don't know if you can even choose one, but is there a favorite recipe on your website or maybe is there um, a favorite, is there a, a recipe that you find, you know, people tend to kind of gravitate towards on your, on your website? Yeah. 
One of my most popular recipes by far is my flourless peanut butter and banana chocolate chip muffin. Well, that it sounds is, delicious too. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really, really good. It's one of those kind of go-to and you make it in a blender and they freeze really well and they're delicious. Um, and also I believe they're baby friendly. I don't think I have any added sugar in that. I think there's a t- maybe a tiny bit of maple syrup, but that should be fine. So they're good for the whole family. Yum. So guys, we're just going to link her whole site on the show's <laughs> notes rather than these individual recipes. And you can just go on there and, and choose the best website. Can you tell us, I mean, you may not be able to tell us a lot, but tell us a little bit about the book that you have coming out uh, next year. Okay. It's very exciting. I got know it is. For it. Yeah, it's great. So myself and another dietitian out of Toronto, her name's Kara Rosenblum. We wrote a book and we're just in the final editing phase and it's going to be called Food to Grow On. And yeah, we're publishing with Random House and it should be released sort of February, any, anywhere between February and April of next year. And it's like a, an easy Q&A guide for parents on how to feed their kids from sort of prenatal age to school age. So it'll be, um, it's really exciting. I'm very excited about it. I am too. I'm so happy for you. So you guys, when that comes out, obviously, if you're following Good Night Sleep Side, I will definitely be posting that and promoting that book because that's so exciting. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sarah. Thank you very much. My uh, pleasure. Where can everyone find you? They can find me on sarahremmer.com. And they can, if you have questions, you can email me at sarah at sarahremmer.com. Awesome. And guys, we'll have her website and all her social accounts because she's got great YouTube page and Instagram and all of that. All of those links will be in the show's notes over at goodnightsleepsite.com slash podcast. And until next time, everyone, I wish everyone sweet dreams and a good night. Thanks for listening, guys. And be sure to check back for more episodes helping your family bring back bedtime. And to make sure you don't miss out, you can subscribe to the This Girl Loves Sleep podcast through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or iTunes, basically wherever you get your podcasts. And download our free sleep resources at goodnightsleepsite.com slash podcast. And if you like what you hear, guys, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. That helps the This Girl Loves Sleep podcast reach even more families like yours who deserve better sleep. 